Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be your host for the next hour. Hopefully it's entertaining, educational, exciting, enlightening. Hmm. How many other words that start with E? Well, we won't go there. But I won't build this up too much. I don't know how exciting and enlightening it is. It's a nice day in May. I'm happy to be here for a short break. I'm glad you're able to spend part of your afternoon with me. I appreciate that. I've got a stack of articles to go over. Hopefully, we'll all learn something today. As far as the tax season goes, my tax season got stretched out just because I have more extensions than usual. Uh, if there's any clients listening, I'll I'll just say up front I'm doing the best I can and I'll get you done real soon. So one topic that comes up quite a bit with people who call, especially like new new potential clients that call, It's the fact that they're becoming self-employed for the first time and they have a lot of questions. It's too big of a topic to really cover in detail in just a few minutes, but I wanted to at least give a quick little outline primer. I'm going to post some things on my website, which is hlittlejohn.com. I'm going to post some things there that people can refer to. I just have to get it organized in a good, concise manner. I'm sure on the internet there's lots of good basic lists of this to be found. I haven't really looked myself. I'm going to make my own. If you're currently turning self-employed and need to learn these things, you need to look up a list of uh, things you need to do when you're self-employed. But I'll just go through some of the first ones here just for a few minutes. If you live within the city limits of Chico anyway, most cities, you need to have a business license. You would go to the city hall, has a business office desk there. I haven't been in there for years. These days, I don't really want to go in there uh, based on the fact that there's a tent city all around city hall and just doesn't look that all that fun of a place to park next to and walk into it. That's just my opinion. But City Hall would issue a business license. It ends up only costing, its cost is, the the schedule of cost is based on the number of employees you have. And in my case, I only really have one employee. It only costs something like $29 a year. The business license is not a big deal. If you're not going to use your own name in the name of the business, in other words, if your name is John Smith and you're going to be an appraiser, if you name your business John Smith Appraisal Service, you don't have to do what's called a fictitious business name. But if you do want your business to have a name other than your own name in it, 
You have to apply for a fictitious business name, which is through Butte County. And the reason you have to do this is you can't open a business bank account for your own business with that kind of name if you don't have this fictitious business name applied for and the paperwork. You end up getting papers, number one, for yourself, a copy for yourself. You get a copy to take to the bank to open your business bank account under that fictitious name. And the third copy, they probably don't even do this on paper anymore. It's probably all online. But when I was doing this in the old days, the third copy, you have to post in a local paper. And I used to use News and Review because they were less expensive than the Enterprise Record. You post in the local paper the name of the business, the fact that you are doing business as, that's what's called a DBA, and it lists your address and your name saying DBA, um, you know, fantastic appraisal service or whatever you've named your company. So those are two things you need to do right off the bat if you need them. Of course, you open the bank account after you have the fictitious business name. If you don't need a fictitious business name, you can just go open a business bank account uh, without that fictitious name form. If you're not going to have employees, you this is one big deal that people make a big mistake with. If you don't plan on having employees, you're not required to have a federal employment identification number. Employer Identification Number, E-I-N. If you're just going to be a sole proprietorship, which is where you list your own business net income on your tax return, it's called a Schedule C. C is in CAT. You don't have to have an F-E-I-N. The problem is if you get an F-E-I-N, an ID number from the IRS, then you're going to have some filings that they're going to keep asking you for, even though you really don't have any required. So if you aren't going to need to have employees, which in my opinion would be the best possible business in the world, unfortunately, tax practices can't do it that way. Well, they could. They actually could. But if you're going to have employees, you need an EIN, and then you also need a California EDD employer number. So you'll have a, if you're going to have employees, you need a federal identification number and a California EDD number. And those would be the main things you need to do right at the start to be legal. The main thing for being self-employed is to have good records. If you get to the end of the year of your first year being self-employed and you didn't keep track of your receipts and your spending and your business miles for if your work involves traveling in your vehicle, you'll be at a disadvantage when you talk to someone like me and you say, oh, uh, when I'm when you're needing help with your taxes and you say to the tax professional, oh, by the way, I started a business back in March. That's where you run into trouble if you didn't keep good records. One of the main best advice I can give people who are starting a new business 
of any sort. If it's driving for Uber or DoorDash, that's self-employed. You need to start keeping track of your business expenses, the percentage of telephone use for business, the number of miles for business. Start keeping track of everything, and that's why having a business bank account is so important. Your initial deposit is obviously not income. You're just starting the opening the account with like $100 in of your own money. The key to that is that if every business deposit goes into that bank, it's very easy for you to keep track of your total income from the business because you just add up those deposits and then you would subtract out any deposits that are your own money. I, I, there's a lot of times in a, in a new business, you may be feeding money into that account for the few, first few months. Every month, you're going to need to fill in the account with a few hundred dollars to cover your business expense at the start. You would just make a list of the deposits that are not income. The way I used to do that when I had a single bank, smaller business, the way I would do that is whenever I put my own money in, I would put it as like $201 or $301 instead of an even two or 300. That way I could easily identify just in my bank statements which of those deposits were not income, but they were my own money just filling up the account when it needed it. So that's one little trick that'll make it really easy. And you could even have your tax person just look at all your bank statements. And if you tell, tell them that if the deposit is an 01 deposit like that, it's not income, that would just solve the problem. And then we would have a you would have a real good record of your business income, which you, you have to have. As far as business expenses, the easiest way, if you can manage to get one of those credit cards that has a very good detailed record at the end of the year that totals everything up, that'll be 80% of the, quote, bookkeeping. If you can run most of your expenses on that card, like your online debits, your subscriptions, whatever you're spending for business meals with customers, uh, uh, gas at the gas station, whatever you're doing. If you can use that one card for that, at the end of the year, you'll get a summary that'll tally up. Like for instance, if you have air tickets for business travel, it'll summarize all the air ticket purchases and you don't even have to recap them. That's one real good way to shortcut some of the need to either do your own spreadsheets or hire a bookkeeper type to do those spreadsheets. It's a shortcut way that might help for some, some people can kind of pull that off. But if you can't really pull it off with just one card, make sure you have the business bank account. If you're writing checks, keep a good check register with a detail of what each check was for. Use a debit card from that account so that all the expenses are in one account, even though you're going to have to spreadsheet or tally up those expenses each month so you can add them up. And speaking of each month, that's the other tip for someone that's new in their new self-employed business. Don't put off your bookkeeping and summarizing expenses until the end of December. Sometimes there'll be too much work to do 
if you haven't done that yet, the best way to do is, is try to do it weekly, but at least do it monthly so that you're keeping up with your spreadsheets of expenses and not letting it get too far behind. You don't want to bring 12 months of bank statements to somebody during tax season and expect them to you know, do that without charging you a lot of extra money. The main thing is the more work you do to be organized, number one, the better off you'll be. But number two, the less you'll pay a tax professional to help you prepare your taxes. There's a huge difference in the fee schedule between someone who's got a well-organized set of books with a profit and loss statement that just needs some double checking. There's a big difference on the fee to get that tax done between that person and the one who just brings in a bunch of bank statements and receipts and says, I don't know what to do with this. And that means the tax person has to do it. And that's how the prices get way too high at a tax person's office. We're coming up on that first break. Thanks for listening to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be right back. Henry Ford, the original titan of the automobile industry, believed in progress, innovation, and dramatic change. His Model T revolutionized American culture. But after 15 years of being the only car on the road, changes had to be made. The Model T just wasn't equipped to handle the new, faster-moving, paved roads. So how did this revolutionary man handle it when they tried to change the Model T? He looked at the shiny new red prototype and began attacking it. Ripping it apart with his bare hand. That's what Henry Ford thought of change. We all have a little bit of Henry Ford in us. We get fixated on something we like, and we strongly oppose change. But accepting change is a healthy part of life. But like Henry Ford, we tend to want to tear apart anything that tries to change what we've grown to feel comfortable with. Some basic life principles should never change, but other things should change. We can embrace it and move ahead, or we can attack it. The roads of life are always changing. We need to change to keep up or get left behind in the dust. This is Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Let's do this. Critics agree the bad guys are good. Oh, stop it. You're making me buzz. It's the winner of the Truly Moving Picture Award at the Heartland Film Festival. What bam? The Christian Post raves. The Bad Guys is a fun, family-friendly film with a powerful and timely message. I think I like the new you. Well, that makes two of us. From DreamWorks Animation, who brought you Shrek and Kung Fu Panda. It's showtime. The Bad Guys, in theaters now. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. You think you know what God wants to do, and you're trying to run things, and you're trying to do things in your own strength, in your own way, and you totally miss the point. His power doesn't depend on any human ability. No matter how God uses us, please understand, we need the power of the living Lord. We need His ability. David Hawking explains why we should only rely on the Lord's power, on hope for today. Tune in for Hope for Today, weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. When life hits us hard, we begin asking hard questions, and we need real answers. Suddenly, the laughter of the sitcom seems so shallow, and sappy love songs offer no real hope or direction. But piercing through the static of entertainment comes a glimpse of clarity. Here we are, a radio station with answers. Most entertainment helps you escape reality. We help you face it with hope, peace, and answers that come from God. 
Like it in here for real life answers. You're listening to Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry, I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Do you know why policemen have guns and badges? Because the government has a duty to protect the lives of innocent human beings. That's what the right to life is. When Roe v. Wade came down, it was much more than about babies. The suspension of the right to life means we're all at risk. Find out more on Life Matters. Listen Saturdays at 6 on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for joining me on a fine May afternoon. Chico's really nice in the spring. It's it's the time of year where the AC doesn't run all day and the heater doesn't run all night. Everything's sort of in the middle of the road, and I like that. For a little while, at least, uh, May... May and November, I think, are the or October. May, October, November are the good months for utility bills because we have that more moderate, not super hot, not super cold, and I really like that. I just realized my little primer on being self-employed in that first 10 minutes or so that we just finished, that's, that's really a big part of what you need to do when you're starting a business. One thing I didn't mention that you need to double check is uh, two very important notes just to add to that because I'm not going to spend much more time on that today, but I covered quite a bit of the important stuff. Two major important things. Number one is if you're in an industry where you have to have a license like a regulatory license from the state, like a contract, licensed contractor, uh a psychiatrist, a psychologist, uh, medical fields, accounting, architect, any type of business like appraisers would have that. You need to make sure you have your proper state-issued business license, and that's different than the city license. City license, you just tell them the name of your business and what you do, and you pay it. It's no big deal. But the state board that licenses your industry, you have to make sure you're up up and running with them, obviously. And certain occupations require that, certain ones don't. But you need to verify that you don't need that before you get started. Because you wouldn't want to go, you wouldn't want to be out there doing work that's not legal for you to do. I know if you're like a handyman doing home repairs, there are certain limits that you can't go over when you quote a job or else you have to be a licensed contractor. I don't know. It was something like $500, but 
I don't know those exact limits. That's something you would need to look up. So you just need to be careful that what you're doing is legal to do, and that's usually state-run. That would be a state issue. Then the other real important topic that I don't want to forget to mention before we end this little segment about being self-employed, especially being self-employed for the first time, is insurance. You need to make sure you've got proper liability insurance so that whatever you're doing work-wise, nobody can sue you. Well, they can sue you, but nobody can uh, win from you because you're properly insured. And most insurance covers a lot of things like mistakes. They call it errors and omissions. Most insurance does a real good job. It doesn't cover you if you're actually negligent or crooked, but if you're just you know making an error in your work, you have to have the right kind of insurance. Also, you would want to make sure your vehicle you're using for business, the car or truck you're driving for business, you need to tell your insurance man, your insurance person, excuse me, that was not politically correct. You need to tell your insurance professional that this car is being used for business and they need to set that up and make sure it's listed that way. You could have a problem if you have a business trip and you have an accident, but you never told your insurance person that this vehicle was being used for business. That would That's another very important thing. That's enough about being self-employed. If you have uh, further questions, the best way to do is write me an email. My email is herald at hlittlejohn.com. You can also visit my website and send a message through there. The website is hlittlejohn.com. But I did want to cover quite a bit there about these being self-employed, and I think I, I got through quite a bit of it. One of my favorite topics on Business Buzz, I hope it's one of your favorites also, is banks. And I found an article that I'm going to read. It's from investmentwatchblog.com. It's actually from July of 2021. But it's still very apropos. And the title of the article is All Banks Are Bankrupt and Insolvent. The Whole System Will Collapse. 19 Warnings About a Coming Global Financial Catastrophe. Now, the fact that this is already uh, nine and a half months old just tells you that they keep, they just keep on, they keep this thing, just they keep it going. I'm amazed how long they're able to keep it going. They just keep it going. But I did talk to, speaking of banks, uh, before I get into this article, I talked to a person who's a a lender. They said in all of their career, they've never seen interest rates rise this fast. I was mentioning to this person that I happened to get my refinance of my home mortgage done. I I worked on it around October. It closed in December. 
I had one little wrinkle, but it got fixed. The bottom line, the point of the story is I paid like a point to get it, but I now have a 15-year fixed mortgage at 2.25%. The lender that I happened to talk to today mentioned that they're now at around 5, which is, like I said, this person said it's they've never seen the interest rates go up faster than it just has. I'd say within two months of the real action, it's gone way up. Part of that is probably due to this Federal Reserve raising the rates and then threatening to raise again. If they keep raising these rates, it's going to cause a lot of trouble. The problem is if they don't raise the rates, it's also going to cause a lot of trouble. I've explained before that for the last 13 years, this system has been on a, patched up with Band-Aids with 0% interest for the big big guys, uh, lower interest for us on mortgages, car loans, uh, credit cards still aren't reasonable. But my point is this 0% interest for 13 years is not natural and it can't continue forever. I guess it's not continuing now, but we'll see how many times they can raise these rates. I'm, I'm of the opinion that they can't unless they want to crash the system. Now, that's the other problem. This system is crashable at a moment's notice, but only they know when that moment is going to be. We don't. That's the problem. So I'm just going to read part of this article. Warning, all banks are bankrupt and insolvent. The whole system will collapse if just 3% of depositors move their money. The whole banking system is one big octopus with its slimy tentacles and everything. The existence of the central bank and fractional reserve banking permits commercial banks to generate credit, which is not backed up by real funding. It is credit created out of thin air. All banks are today insolvent, hence the repo markets now being run by central bank money. A bank has current creditors. On the whole, these are people like you and me who have our salaries or savings paid or deposited into our accounts on our behalf. We do not actually own our money that is stored in the bank. The bank does. This may come as a surprise to you. However, this is a very well-established point of law. And I will mention that on Business Buzz, I have already told you about the legal definition of your, quote, money in the bank. It's not a, it's, it doesn't really belong to you. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be right back with Business Buzz. Don't go anywhere. It's a bright new day. The sun is shining, the birds are singing, and there's never been a better day to try Mount Shasta spring water. Hi, I'm Bob the Drop. I come from a protected spring at the base of Mount Shasta. I'm bottled at the source. It doesn't get more cool and refreshing than that, and it's delivered right to your door. Yep, pure and simple, naturally the best. 
start your bright new day by calling 1-800-922-6227 to order some of the best-tasting water on the planet, Mount Shasta Spring Water. Just for a moment, consider how much you pay each month for cable or satellite, video rentals, or for a movie in the theater each month. Or how about each year? Let's be honest, how often do any of these really have positive messages? Now consider that we as a station bring you positive entertainment, encouragement, and ministry 24-7. What is that worth to you? If every listener gave just a few dollars to our program, our ministry would grow exponentially. We would like to thank all of our listeners for financially supporting our teaching and talk program. Tell your friends about Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Nothing hurts my mom, but she showed anyway. She'd always say, you do what you need to do to take care of yourself. But she thought that meant she had to do it on her own. We were trained to help others, but there's strength in finding help for yourself, too. We're in this together. The VA Women Veterans Call Center connects veterans with personalized information on VA services that can make a difference. Call 1-855-VA-WOMEN or visit www.womenshealth.va.gov. When life hits us hard, we begin asking hard questions, and we need real answers. Suddenly, the laughter of the sitcom seems so shallow, and sappy love songs offer no real hope or direction. But piercing through the static of entertainment comes a glimpse of clarity. Here we are, a radio station with answers. Most entertainment helps you escape reality. We help you face it with hope, peace, and answers that come from God. Lock it in here for Real Life Answers. You're listening to Live Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Another nice Chico day is upon us. We should all be glad to be to be living in Chico. It's not perfect, but I can think of a lot of places that are a lot less perfect. I guess that's one way to put it. It's a pretty nice place to live. I won't complain. I'm going to keep reading from this article. It says, uh, talking about the fact that the bank owes you the money, but it's not really yours. It says, this may come as a surprise to you. However, this is a very well-established point of law. Since 1811, this has been the case. So you and I are the current creditors to the bank i.e. we are owed money by the bank. In fact, your bank statement is just an IOU from the bank acknowledging that it owes you however much it says on the statement on demand. Depositors are unsecured creditors on the bank's balance sheet. Riddle me this. When you take out a credit card, the bank is the unsecured creditor and the debt is unsecured. They charge us quite a bit of interest from 19 to 22%. Yet when we loan the bank our cash via deposits, what is the interest that we unsecured creditors receive? 1% at best. Well, I can say that even since July 21, that I'm not sure what the rates are these days. If mortgage rates have more than doubled in four months, three or four months, then maybe deposit rates have doubled. And you know what that means? That means on a savings account, you might get 0.02% or point, maybe 0.2% at the most. It's very, very low. The assets of the bank are those people to whom the bank has lent its your money to, all the borrowers of loans. As has been so clearly displayed during the 08 crisis, 
They have lent their money out, formerly your money, over 33 times on average to borrowers. So when more than one of 33 of us clients of a bank wish to withdraw our money that is on demand, the bank cannot pay it back as it does not have it. As for banks, deposits are loans from the depositor to the bank. They represent the liabilities of the bank. It is true that the assets of the bank, such as loans, securities, and reserves, are assets of the bank. Banks are solvent only if the assets assets are more significant than the liabilities. The idea that a bank or any other firm is insolvent only because something might happen is absurd. There are many things that might happen to a bank, making it unable to pay off its liabilities. For a bank, if none of its creditors could pay off its existing loans, it would fail. It could happen. It is happening all the time. The scenario where many depositors want payment now and the bank cannot borrow new money now and it cannot sell off. For a bank, if none of its creditors could pay off its existing loans, it would fail. On average, if more than one person in 33 walks into a bank to get their money, the whole system collapses. If a bank defaults, then depositors of all sorts don't get paid in full. The people who get to the bank first, at least before it closes its doors, get paid in full. Then after it is closed, no one gets anything until the bank is liquidated. I mean, this is kind of like, you know, fractional reserve banking 101, but um, I just wanted to point out these things in this article because um, the bottom line is, says the big bank crime syndicate had their servants in our puppet governments tear up the legal distinction between banking and investing, regulated gambling. Overnight, our banks were transformed into bank casinos. Not only were these banks lending out funds which grossly exceeded their current assets, but they were also gambling with these funds and at even higher ratios of leveraged fraud. The result of combining extreme fraud with extreme financial recklessness was the crash of 08. The big banks literally blew up the Western financial system with their desperate, reckless gambling. The gambling which began with the deposits which they claimed to be holding as trustees. Instead of our governments punishing these big banks for their extreme, reckless fraud, they rewarded them. Using our money, these traitor governments indemnified the big banks for every cent of their reckless, fraudulent gambling. Then they did something much, much worse. Our trader governments bowed to the will of their banker overlords and dubbed these institutions of fraud crime as being too big to fail. Translation, instead of preventing these institutions of financial crime from continuing their reckless gambling, they promised to pay off all of the banksters' gambling debts forever. There is nothing wrong with private bank money creation from bank loans, you just need to know how the system works. So this is just a, a little interesting article that everybody should be aware of. The banks have been basically unleashed to do whatever they want. They're considered too big to fail, which means they'll be backstopped by our tax dollars no matter what, which we you know, the tax dollars don't even 
come close to covering all the expenses of this country. So that's sort of a joke in itself. But you have a you have reckless bank people, too big to fail. In the best scenario, it's a bailout and it's basically going on every night. There's trillions of dollars moving around every night in these repo markets between all these banks and the Federal Reserve. Nobody really knows how much is being done, but it's basically a big shell game and we're the we're the suckers because we're not privy to the free money, the spigot of all this free money over the last 13 years that's pumped up the stock market and the real estate bubble and the whole bit. So I was just wanted to point that out that you should have part of your money in something that doesn't rely on somebody's word on the other side. And that's basically what I'm going to be talking about in the last segment of Business Buzz today. One of my favorite topics. I'll let you guess what that might be. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. With home mortgage rates still near historic lows, now is a great time to buy or refinance. Michael Humes is your one-stop mortgage lender. Michael Humes and his knowledgeable staff are well-versed in a wide variety of loan types, including FHA, Fannie Mae, USDA, HomePath, and HARP. For a free evaluation of your mortgage needs, call him, 530-624-7942. That's 530-624-7942. Be sure to listen to Michael's Mortgage Market Update every Wednesday at 2.30 on Your Home Today. This is Michael Humes, Mortgage Specialist at Network Mortgage, located at 155 East 3rd Avenue. Minimal loss license 230273. BRE license 01250862. Employed by Network Mortgage, BRE license 01840139. And a loss license 358237. Equal housing opportunity. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge. Defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Davis. Pacific Justice Institute recently filed suit against California's West Contra Unified School District after the district was attempting to enforce a COVID-19 vaccine mandate on students. In California, school districts have no authority to create their own vaccine mandates. After being initially defiant, the school district backed down in the face of our lawsuit. In addition, PJI will continue to battle against a bill now pending in the legislature to mandate COVID-19 vaccinations in schools statewide. PJI provides legal representation without charge. Get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at pji.org. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that our daughters have what they need to grow and learn. But that isn't the case for nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. that struggle with hunger. Childhood hunger is a heartbreaking reality that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and provides it to families and children in need. You can help kids in need in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. 
The Bible, our foundation. This is Ken Ham, CEO of the Noah's Ark Attraction, the Ark Encounter, south of Cincinnati. What's your foundation? Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, we all have an ultimate authority, something we base our thinking on and interpret the world through. For many people, that standard is themselves, their own wisdom or feelings. But we can't trust our simple hearts. They'll quickly lead us astray. Instead, we must start our thinking with the ultimate authority, the Word of God. God's perfect, flawless, unchanging Word should be our starting point. That means we build our worldview from God's Word and we test our own thoughts, opinions and feelings against God's Word to see if they're right or wrong. We're not the authority. God is. Plan your visit to the Ark Encounter when you go to our website at AnswersRadio.com. Travel here to tour the life-size Ark, visit the zoo and more. Go to AnswersRadio.com. Be sure to listen to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries, Monday through Fridays at 10 a.m. on Life Radio, KKXX, AM 930 and FM 104.5. Weekdays at 10 a.m. and Saturday morning at 8 here on KKXX. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. America, bless God. Fellow Americans, your hearing this admonition establishes that you are one who cares for the America that has been so blessed by Almighty God. We implore you to embrace the laws of nature and of nature's God, to read and know the Constitution. Join with other moral and religious people and organizations to foster the blessings of liberty for ourselves and our posterity. America, bless God. You think you know what God wants to do, and you're trying to run things, and you're trying to do things in your own strength, in your own way, and you totally miss the point. His power doesn't depend on any human ability, no matter how God uses us. Please understand, we need the power of the living Lord. We need His ability. David Hawking explains why we should only rely on the Lord's power, on hope for today. Tune in for Hope for Today, weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. God has abundantly blessed America. Our founding fathers knew and understood the laws of nature and of nature's God that prosper a people in harmony with them. Most assuredly, people that seek first God's ways of universal righteousness, spiritual prosperity, create the environment of peace, harmony, and blessing that naturally pave the way to material prosperity. America, bless God. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for spending part of your busy afternoon with me. Hopefully it's not too busy. I know the schools are back in action. COVID must be over. There are no more remote classrooms as far as I know. A lot of parents picking up and dropping off children at the schools like it should be. It's good to see. I don't think I'm going to have time to talk medicine today. Not that I'm a doctor, but I just don't have time. Plus, I've... I've beat a dead horse. 
on that quite a few times. So one article I brought, oh, okay. So I got a couple, couple quick articles that I mentioned as an alternative to, as an alternative to banks, which don't really have to pay you back unless they, they feel like it when the, you know, when the stuff hits the fan. So I brought an article because I always like to talk about gold and I like to talk about silver and I don't have time for too many of these today because we're running out of time. But I wanted to point one thing out. If, if you've been watching the news, you probably know that Twitter was bought by Elon Musk for $44 billion. What occurred to me is the stock market is such a huge market. The stock and the bond market is huge. It's trillions and trillions of dollars. And a big stock, Twitter, that's a big company. Not sure what its revenues and net income is. I've never really looked it up. I'm not a big, I'm only a stock investor when it comes to uh, mining shares and resource shares and energy. I don't, I don't dabble in things like Twitter and Facebook, even though I probably should have. I'm not a, that's why I'm not a certified financial planner. I'm not a stock picker and I don't pretend to be. My point is the entire silver market is so small that if anything happens to it, it's going to break. My point is that the entire investable silver above ground in all these places like these ETFs and vaults and all these places that claim to hold silver, which they probably really don't because it's all been loaned out and leased out a hundred times each ounce. Each ounce has each ounce has a hundred owners. That's basically what it all works out to be with these supposed silver uh, inventories. But my point is, it appears that the best estimate of investable buyable silver above ground is something like one and a half to two billion ounces. And my point is at today's price, which is under $23 an ounce, which is extremely inexpensive for all the reasons I've mentioned on Business Buzz before, that means that even if there was two billion ounces available to be bought, a guy like Elon Musk or Bezos or whatever, they could buy up the entire world's silver available, if it's really even available. They could buy that up for the price that he paid for Twitter. My point is, that is where we're going to have some major fireworks at some point. Now, my theory is, is the boys in the club, and like George Carlin said, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a club, and and we ain't in it. 
the big boys in the club have gentlemen's agreements on things. And for the reason they have the agreements, I don't even want to get into. If you've ever heard the words blackmail, um, bribery, there's reasons that these, quote, gentlemen, which is a real stretch of the imagination to call them that, the reason the, the quote, big guys, the reason they have all these gentlemen's agreements is that they're all blackmailed and bribed by each other, and it's a big circle that they can't get out of. But my point is, is that there's an agreement among these, quote, gentlemen and these banks and these billionaires. There's an agreement that nobody will shock the silver market. And that's why the charade keeps getting played out. They leave enough scraps on the floor for us peons to, you know, call up our or uh, call up Apmex or Provident Metals and say, hey, I want to buy an ounce of gold, you know, and today it's 1950 bucks or whatever it is. So the peons think that, oh, there's plenty of gold available. I just bought an ounce. But the point is, is that large-scale purchases are very difficult and hard to, to accomplish. But what I'm saying is the big boys have a gentleman's agreement that they won't disrupt these fixed markets like silver, gold, and I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about platinum because I don't have it with me, but there I looked up an article and it's something I've read before, but I read it again. Do you have any idea what the entire world's historical mining total of platinum what it would fit in now keep in mind platinum is priced right now at about half of silver of half of the price of gold historically it's always been more expensive than gold right now it's about half gold's at about 1880 1870 platinum's at about 940 it's about half the interesting thing about gold versus platinum is gold, all the gold ever mined would fit into a cube 65 feet per side, like a giant dice, die. So that's gold. But what's interesting is platinum, which only costs half as much as gold right now, the entire platinum ever mined would fit into a average living room. So I'm figuring they're figuring that's probably 20 by 15 by 8. That's not a very big block. And that is the entire world's total of platinum ever mined. That's pretty amazing. So here's where it gets even more amazing. I couldn't find the statistic of the ratios. I mean, I'd have to do the math. I, I didn't have time to do it. But the bottom line is rhodium is the rarest of the platinum group metals. And it is, I'm guessing, I'm just going to say it's at least 
10 times rarer than platinum. The price is actually 20 times higher right now for rhodium than platinum. So let's just say it's 20 times as rare as platinum. That means that, and I'll just do the math in my head and do a real round number. I think all the world's rhodium ever mined would fit into a bathroom. And that's what I'm going to, I'll stick to it until somebody proves me wrong. That is amazing. So when you think of how rare these things are, first of all, silver and gold are pretty darn hard to come by. Do you realize how much it costs? I, the average silver that's mined comes from the byproduct of base metal mining like zinc and copper and nickel. And it's a very small amount. It's like it takes like five tons of earth to end up netting one ounce of pure silver. It's very, very rare. And that's just silver. Gold and silver are rare. But then we look at platinum, which is just super, super rare. And then you look at rhodium, and it is unbelievably rare. Says commercial rhodium is generally obtained as a byproduct of copper and nickel refining. By nature, rhodium can occur uncombined or with other platinum minerals. It can be found in river sands in North and South America and in copper nickel sulfide ores in Ontario, Canada. Hmm. South Africa alone produces 80% of the world's rhodium. Amazing. So I just wanted to point out that you might want to put some of your money instead of leaving it in that crooked bank that's basically bankrupt. You might want to just take a small amount of your money and maybe buy a little gold, buy a little silver, and maybe buy a little platinum. It's hard to buy rhodium because it's like $18,000 an ounce. But it's not that hard to buy platinum, gold, or silver. So I just kind of recommend that you protect yourself from the coming collapse. I don't know when. I can tell you the collapse will occur. I can't tell you when. If I knew when, I wouldn't be here. I'd be, I'd be on a beach with a 50,000-square-foot mansion on it because I would, I would have all the money in the world, but I don't know the timing of these things. I do believe that this real estate market right now is still high because even though interest rates are up, they're rising so fast, like I said earlier, that people are basically in a panic mode to buy a house before they get any higher. And that's causing another push here in the bubble of real estate. But I think when if the interest rates continue to rise as fast as they have been, I believe this real estate market probably should start at least topping and making a plateau. Of course, California is always an California is always a little different than everywhere else, but I would just say be careful with with the money these days because things might be in some huge bubble tops and we just don't know. I've been wrong before. And I'm not claiming to be a market timer at all, but I can tell you that at some point, it's all going down.
So on that happy note, I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for listening to Business Buzz. I'll look forward to talking with you next week. now that do not protect the right to life of innocent human beings. And that entire classes of human beings can now be killed. People who have not done anything wrong, but are simply seen as less than human. Human lives that need no longer continue. Listen Saturdays at 6 on KKXX. KKXX Paradise, K280GL Chico, and K283AR Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters reporting. A draft opinion leaked to Politico suggesting the U.S. Supreme Court could be poised to overturn the landmark Roe v. Wade decision is reverberating across the country. Hugh Brown with the American Life League, a pro-life group, says if this leaked Supreme Court draft turns out to be accurate and Roe v. Wade is overturned, it will be a partial victory. Roe v. Wade was an injustice to the unborn, a grave injustice. So from that standpoint, yes, we would consider it a victory. It, it does, however, complicate the matter because now you're dealing with 50 individual states. Meanwhile, President Biden's bracing for the possible overturning of the Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion. White House correspondent Greg Clugston reports. The president says he doesn't know whether the leaked Supreme Court draft opinion is genuine or whether it reflects the final decision of the court. But in a White House statement, Mr. Biden makes clear his support for Roe v. Wade, stating that a woman's right to choose is fundamental. He says his administration will be ready when any ruling is issued. And if Roe is overturned, the president says the country will need to elect more officials who support abortion rights. Greg Clugston, Washington. British Minister Boris Johnson has addressed Ukraine's parliament, describing Ukraine's resistance to the Russian invasion as the country's finest hour. The Ukrainians definitely welcome this. They've got their own president who has absolutely risen to the occasion and rallied the nation. The UK, I think, has been right out in the forefront of Western nations in supporting Ukraine. It's not the biggest donor of military aid, that's the US. But it's been probably the most forthright amongst all the European nations. BBC correspondent Frank Gardner reporting. On Wall Street, the Dow by 67 points. The Nasdaq rose 27. The S&P 500 advanced 20. More on these stories at townhall.com. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. 
For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For a free quote, call 800-523-3771. That's 800-523-3771. 800-523-3771. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Here's the Wall Street Business Report. Stocks close modestly higher. As investors await Wednesday's decision by the Federal Reserve on interest rates, the Fed expected to raise its benchmark rate by twice the usual amount this week as it steps up its fight against inflation, which is at a four-decade high. Banks and other financial stocks helped lift the market. Energy stocks gained ground following solid earnings reports from BP and Devon Energy. The Dow had 67 points today to close at 33,128. The Nasdaq gained 27 at 12,563. The S&P 500 added 20 points to 4,175. New York oil fell $2.76, closing at $102.41 a barrel. For the Wall Street Business Report, I'm John Scott. News and analysis at townhall.com. Amnesty. Hi, I'm Jim Daly. The Supreme Court will soon make a significant decision on abortion. How will this impact you? Join me and other pro-life champions.